That is good for us to be mindful of because it is good to know our history, but it is also inspiring uh, uh, to us to continue on the work that the people like the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul started, and we are to be about that kind of business. So let's now take a few minutes and ask ourselves what were the type of things they were filling themselves up with. By the way, before I do that, let me just uh, give thanks to Andrew and Darren for putting together that video. I appreciate their hard work. Three things that they filled themselves up with. Number one, and this is a challenge for us, to get filled up with the teachings of Jesus. To get filled up with the teachings of Jesus. Right from the beginning of the book of Acts, we have seen them basically doing the, uh, what Jesus taught them to do. Acts 1.4 And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that was Jesus' first instructions that we get in, that, in Acts. What, are the, what do they do? They do exactly what Jesus told them to do. They wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. Acts 1.8 is kind of their marching orders. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this was what the early church was about. They were to be Jesus' witnesses. By being Jesus' witnesses, what they are saying is, we have uh, taken what Jesus has taught us, and now, we will, and now we will proclaim that forth. They were filled with the teachings of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is these marching orders again. This is uh, Matthew's recollection Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And part of the way they make disciples is this, teaching them to observe all that I, Jesus, have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Disciple literally means student or learner or follower. And so, we as Christians are disciples. We are, to be, we are to learn from the great master teacher, Jesus himself. We are to be filled with the teachings of Jesus. And now that, is, should, be, that should ring in our ears as good news. Because if we just take a minute and survey the type of teaching that Jesus gives, he teaches us how to live lives that are free from worry free from anxiety and free from anger and guilt and lust and greed and shame. Does that not sound like a good life, the type of teaching we'd want to fill our lives up with? He teaches us how to be full of love for one another, even to love our enemies, full of wisdom and peace. He teaches us to store up treasures that will last forever and not be able to be destroyed by any wildfire. And isn't those the type of things that we'd want to fill our own hearts up with? The early church, what we see them doing is they regularly gather to fill themselves up with the apostles' teaching. 
I've got a leaky sink at home right now. It's my kitchen sink, and uh, I need to replace the whole thing because you turn it on, and it's like shooting water off the side. But uh, part of the problem is, even when it's off, there's a slow drip. And it seems slow, just like a drip, drip, drip. But when you put a pan under it at night... Before I go to sleep, the pan is full of water in the morning. And that's kind of how we ought to think about the Word of God. It might seem like a slow drip, 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 but when we consistently come before the Lord to read His Word, and to ask Him how it applies to our lives, when we on a weekly basis come together to hear God's Word preached, when we regularly gather with other Christians to, to study God's Word, that slow drip, drip, drip has the, uh, has the ability to, over time, fill our lives up with the teaching of Jesus so that it be eventually just kind of flows out of us naturally. In Acts 20, it says that, uh, this is the one verse where I see this, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So in other words, Paul's just going about his everyday business and he quotes Jesus. It just naturally flows out of them. And is that not what we want to happen in our own lives, that it just just becomes ingrained within us? I I make the commitment and the guarantee that as long as we at West Covina Christian Church gather together for for worship services, we will be about the business of filling ourselves with the teaching of Jesus. I promise that all our sermons will be based on the Word of God, not based on what I or Darren or whoever is preaching that morning heard in the latest TED Talk or, or uh, in the latest psychology magazine, but on the Word of God, because in God's Word there is wisdom like no other. Worldly wisdom seems so right at first glance. It teaches us to do things like take revenge and hold a grudge. And Jesus' teaching has a far different effect. His wisdom actually helps us to forgive and to reconcile and to be at peace with one another. Worldly wisdom teaches us to rely on ourselves and Jesus' wisdom, His teaching teaches us to rely on Him. And worldly wisdom can fill us with hate and frustration, but Jesus' teaching leads us to have love and peace, joy and harmony. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what we want to fill ourselves up with the teachings of Jesus, so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, that's point number one. Get filled up on the teachings of Jesus. Point number two, get filled up with, the, with love for and from one another. 
That's what we have seen over and over again in the book of Acts. They gather together to love one another. They gather together to give love towards one another, but then also to receive love from one another. And I want to talk about that in a minute, but let me just give uh, some examples. We see them regularly meeting in people's homes, right? We see them selling their goods to care for the needs of one another. We see them serving one another like we did in Acts 6 where they are serving the widows in the church. And the early church is characterized by relationships of peace and love for one another, of hospitality, of generosity, and of forgiveness. Last week we talked about hospitality. I kind of saved that towards the end of the series because it seems like a foundational practice of the early church. And we want to be about the business of regularly meeting with one another. So let me ask you this question. Are you getting filled up with love for and from one another? Now I put the from one another because I actually think that sometimes that's the harder part. It's almost easier to say... I'll pray for you than it is to say, please pray for me. It's almost easier to say, I forgive you, than to actually receive forgiveness from someone and believe it. It's almost easier to give a word of compliment or encouragement than it is to receive it from someone else. I've got that bad habit. When someone uh, gives me a compliment, I somehow just try to judge the real intention of it, the motivation behind it. Are they saying that because they really believe it? Or uh, are they saying that just to be nice and they want to uh, uh, just to, to um, say what they think they should say? I want us to encourage us to be open to actually receiving love from one another, to being able to admit hey, I'm struggling here and I need you to pray for me. To be able to not only give love towards one another, but to receive love from one another. Peter in Acts 4.29 said, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And who's he talking about when he says, your servants? He's talking about himself. He was was able to admit that he was weak and he needed prayer and he needed the Lord's help. Paul says something similar in 1 Thessalonians 5.25. And I could pick out a number of verses along these lines. Paul has many times in his letters he says this type of thing, but this is the shortest. So I use this one. He says, brothers and sisters, pray for us. You see, we need to be uh, willing and ready to not only give prayer for one another, but to receive it. One, get filled up with the teachings of Jesus. Two, get filled up with love for for and from one another. And lastly, get filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that third point should come as no surprise. This is what we have talked about over and over again, that the early church did everything they did with the help of the Holy Spirit. Fourteen times, and I, I counted this. I don't know. I might have missed some, but I counted at least 14 times In the book of Acts, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It seems to be an ongoing thing. And it seems to say that we should be constantly being filled up with the Holy Spirit. First on the day of Pentecost, and now 
give you one more example. Acts 13, 13.52. It says that the disciples were full with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us wisdom, who helps us make good decisions. The power of the Holy Spirit is what helps us be purified and transformed. You cannot do that on your own. That is a work of the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is the one that, as a church, helps us to be united. Apart, excuse me. <coughs> apart from the help of the Holy Spirit, we will be divided. And so we must rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that strengthens us to obey the Word of God. And so now let me begin to wrap all of this up. The early church had one motivation to spread a passion for God. And they had one source of strength, the Holy Spirit within them. Acts 19.31 says, And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. This dependence upon the Holy Spirit drove them to be a church. One of the things that spilled out of them was they were a church of fervent prayer. And that's the phrase we have used over and over again. God is calling us to be a church of fervent prayer. In preparation of this uh, sermon, I went back and I listened to uh, a preacher who had his summary message on his series on the book of Acts, and he talked about in the early days of their church history how the elders would gather in the sanctuary and they would wet the carpet with their tears as they prayed. And I just couldn't help but think as we watched that video, there, were, there are people in our uh, church history that have wet the carpet with their tears as they prayed. And the preacher gave this warning. He says, I am afraid... And this was a church in Dallas. He says, I am afraid that we have lost that same sort of passion to pray to God and to ask His help. And he says, if we have lost that, then we have lost our ability to do the works found in the book of Acts. And I know that that is true for us as well. We will never be a people of strong evangelism, of hospitality, of love towards one another, of generosity, unless we be, first of all, a church of fervent prayer. We must depend upon the Holy Spirit, not only for our church, but for our own lives. It's our only source of strength. And so if that is our calling, maybe it would be appropriate to close this sermon series on Acts by not just talking about praying, but actually praying. And so I'm gonna, I ask the vision team to be uh, ready to just be, come up and to Pray, And I ask them actually not to uh, prepare any prayers, but just to pray what is on their heart. So I'm going to invite the vision team to come forward, and we have some mics here. And we're just going to take a few minutes and pray. I'm going to ask that the vision team members pray for you, that God would help you to be the person, to be the type of uh, Christian and follower, disciple of Christ that he wants us to be, and I'm going to ask that, he, that they pray for us as a church because this, the title of this sermon is Acts Continues. And we want to see uh, continued the works that we have talked about. So what are we going to do? We're going to get filled up, right? 
And the way we get filled up, first of all, is by praying. I'm going to just ask that...